the Brown Girl Podcast. This show was created to elevate the voices and perspectives of dual identity South Asians around the world. Here we have conversations on topics and issues that impact our community, as well as share the stories of personal successes and the struggles that often go unsaid. My name is Julie George, and I'm your host. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today is episode 21, and our guest is Ramya Ravuri. Ramya is the mastermind behind the popular food blog Eats by Ramya and is known for her cooking series, Cooking Basics for 20-somethings, where she breaks down cooking for beginners. She's a data scientist by profession, a food blogger by passion, and someone who loves to be involved in a lot of different activities. Over the last three years, Ramya has built her audience across various platforms. So I discovered Ramya through social media. She makes these amazing cooking and recipe videos. She's extremely talented and smart, and I'm so excited for you all to listen to this conversation. We discuss a lot of different things, everything from how she got started with food blogging, how she balances being a blogger with multiple other responsibilities, her different strategies for TikTok versus Instagram versus other platforms. We talked about how her college experience suddenly took a turn because of the global pandemic, and we also talked about how she decided between going the traditional nine-to-five career route post-graduation versus becoming a full-time blogger. And there's a lot more fun tidbits in between as well. So without further ado, let's kick it over to Ramya. Ramya, thank you so much for joining the Brown Girl podcast today. Hi, it's nice to be here. It's actually my first time on a podcast, so I'm excited. Yeah, wonderful. Have people ever told you how much they love your voice? Um, Actually, I've gotten... I've gotten it on both sides. I've gotten a few people tell me I have a very nasally voice on TikTok and other people say a nasally voice is attractive. <laughs> it's so weird. I think your voice is so soothing. I love when you do those voiceovers. Okay, so you have over 500,000 followers across all of your social media platforms. You've launched a few digital recipe books. I know you've got a couple other exciting recipe and food food ventures that I'm sure we'll talk about, but what was the first recipe you shared that took off? Or, or was there like a specific specific video or series that you started that created this sudden influx of people discovering you on the internet? So I think when I started to uh, switch over to more health-focused content, there was definitely um, an uptick on the number of people coming to my page. But I would say um, on Instagram, my first viral, like quote-unquote viral video was uh, this air fryer apples video. And that's actually the first. So I didn't have the Reels feature on Instagram uh, Mm -hmm. when they launched it to everyone else. So I got it two years later in uh, November. So when I finally got it, that video started to pop off. And on TikTok, um, it was actually this, I think it was this kulfi recipe that did pretty well. I feel like especially during the pandemic, everyone started getting air fryers. Yeah, yeah. That's like, that was one series that did really well on my TikTok. Um, it was like, point of view, you got an air fryer, but never used it. Yeah. <laughs> so like it was just like a whole series where people where I just like showed people how to use the air fryer yeah and that did pretty well how did you get started with recipe creation like how did all of this come about so when I was younger I was not really like a like big into cooking or anything because the main reason is when I was younger um my parents always were super focused on education studying they just wanted me to like focus on that stuff because 
like for my mom, um, she was brought up sort of with the expectation that one day she would have to cook. So it was always more of a chore for her. And she didn't really like force that upon me at any point. But I think that's like part of the reason why I kind of feel like it's it's a fun thing to do, whereas my mom is a little bit more like not so excited about cooking all the time. Um, so I didn't cook for a long time. And then I would say uh, right after my freshman year of college, I actually gained a little bit of weight. So I was trying to get back into healthy eating. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of noticed that the best way for me to get back into healthy eating was to have more control over the ingredients that go into my food. And because of that, I decided to eventually start cooking. And it wasn't always good. Um, That's why I always say I'm like a home chef. Uh, It it didn't start good. Even now, I mess up all the time. But uh, I've been learning as I go. Mm -hmm. So when did you start sharing recipes on social media? So I think I, summer of 2019, I just started as like a fitness Instagram where I used to do like a food diary and um, I was just be like, hey, it's Monday. This is what I ate today. And it'd just be like five of my close friends following it. And then over time, as like food bloggers became like a bigger thing, because when I first started food social media accounts, there were very few people. So I never like even thought about going in that direction. But as it sort of grew, I saw myself in that space. So I started with like very basic recipes. Like um, I had the smoothie, this is what I put in it. And then I kind of branched out into more um, complicated recipes as I went on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so great because I actually, I purchased one of your recipe books, the one that you last released. I think it was like last fall. Um And I just love how simple and doable the recipes are, right? Like if you don't have a lot of cooking skills yourself and you want to start somewhere, like I like how you structure your videos and content because it makes it easier for less experienced people to grasp. Yeah, I think that's really like my goal too. Um, I think a lot of the times when you go on like YouTube and search recipes, it sort of expects you to come in with a certain amount of knowledge. Whereas my recipes, they try to keep it super basic. So if it's like how we're going to air fry an apple, you're literally just putting honey and air frying an apple. That's the entire recipe. And that's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, So you did not grow up in a household where you had to learn how to cook, right? Your parents were like, just focus on school and getting good grades, and they didn't want other factors to distract you from that. So what are the what's like the cooking responsibility or split at home now? Because you live at home, right? You live at home with your parents? Yeah, so I do live at home with my parents right now. And basically, the way it goes is my mom still does a bulk of the cooking in the house, Mm because my mom and my dad eat a lot of Indian food. So uh, they always eat lunch separately because I typically film my lunches. Um, I usually don't film dinner. So when it comes to dinner, I typically cook like once or twice a week. And then my mom cooks like the other four, five to six days. And when I cook at night, I usually like never film. So like the filming and the me making dinner don't really overlap. Got it. Okay, so let's shift gears a little and talk about college. So you recently just graduated college this past May, right? Yes. Congratulations. And tell us where you went to school and what you majored in. Um, I went to Rutgers University and I majored in computer science. Awesome. So you're like super smart. <laughs> what What was attending college in the pandemic like? Because you graduated 
2022. So that would have been half your college experience. So what was that like? It was lonely compared to like, I think the college experience that I had is very different from the experience that I hear other people have. Yes. Um, because by the time that I graduated, I wasn't really like not excited. I was actually pretty excited to be graduating because uh, college in the pan- pandemic is like all of you take away all the fun parts of college and keep all the hard parts. And yeah. then you like couple that with being at home all the time. So it's not the ideal situation. Right. Were you commuting? So like your freshman year at Rutgers, were you commuting or were you living on campus? Um. Oh, freshman year, I was on campus. And then I switched to a commuting my second year. Okay. So during the pandemic, you obviously were at home. Yeah. Hmm. Do you you kind of feel like your college experience was was robbed in a way? Yes, but honestly, I think I used that time to do a lot of other things. It's because I had that kind of time that I was even able to like build my um, social media presence as much as I did. Because um, I do believe that COVID is the reason that like social a lot of food bloggers are who they are today. Um, yeah. Because like everyone had the time to like even give these all these people a time of day so um it, it was good and bad there were good things and there were kind of sucky things mm-hmm. so while you were in college you were creating recipe and content and growing in that space tell us about how you made time for all that to film and edit videos and write recipe books because I mean majoring in computer science regardless of whether it's during the pandemic or not, it's no easy feat. So talk to us about how you were able to balance all of that. So like you said, computer science is somewhat of a credit intensive major. So when I was in my freshman year, I didn't actually do that much because I was just so busy doing stuff on campus. But as COVID, as like the COVID world transitioned, I found myself with a lot more free time. So I basically shifted all of that time I used to spend like going out, commuting to campus and stuff and started channeling that into my food blog. So that's like where I got the time to do it. But um, in terms of like just schedule wise, uh, what I used to do is I would try to put all of my classes towards like one, like two to three days in the week. That way I have two days free and I would use those two days to primarily film and typically it would be like a Friday. So if for some reason it's raining on Friday, there were no recipes for the next week. Because <laughs> you're outside, right? I noticed that you film, like, there's usually a garden or you're in your backyard, it looks like. Yeah. So I actually recently, last winter, I finally transitioned to filming indoors in the winter because it just wasn't working. I was getting sick from filming outside because I'd be, like, filming and it was, like, 30 degrees outside and I'd have a cold the whole next day after filming for, like, four hours. So right. uh, eventually my mom made me transition inside. The lighting isn't the best, but I I make it work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, okay, so you have like a designated day that you film. So you know in advance, okay, these are like the three recipes I want to film. So you have to get all of that prepped and and ready in advance. Yeah, so basically what I do is suppose I'm filming on Friday. I'll use Monday to Thursday to just like experiment with some new recipes and uh, what, whatever I've liked or whatever doesn't work, I basically note all of that stuff down. Mm-hmm. And I, I usually shortlist like two to three recipes to film on Friday. Okay. 
And I would just go grocery shopping either Friday morning or Thursday, like sometime during the day. That way I just get what I need. Mm -hmm. And when you come up with recipes, how many times do you test out the recipe before deciding to publish it? It depends. Uh, There's some recipes that I just make and fine tune over the like over weeks. So then I might like try like four or five times. But for the most part these days, uh, because most of my cooking is very intuitive, that's just the way that I've always been brought up. Like my mom doesn't really measure. Yeah, no mom does. Yeah, so I'm just like not used to that whole concept. Uh So the way that I just do it now is I will just run the camera while I'm filming. And if the recipe doesn't turn out good, that's just good filming practice. Um, I will make sure that when I'm cooking, I use measuring cups. So even if I'm like eyeballing it, I go back in the video and write down the recipe afterwards. So if it turns out good, I'll just share it after one go. But Mm -hmm. if I need to like fine tune it, then I will do multiple tests. It really depends on the type of recipe. Like there are certain types of cooking that I already have the intuition for, like Mexican food, Indian food. I feel like um, it's really hard to mess up in my opinion, because I already know like what what it looks like. I just taste it as I go. Whereas I'm not that good at like East Asian foods or Thai food. So with that, I need to experiment a lot before the recipe eventually comes out. Right. And with those types of recipes that you're not as familiar with or feel confident with, do you have recipe taste testers? For the most part, um, all my recipes are like eaten by me and my parents, Mm -hmm. but that's really it. There's no like official taste testers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's I assumed like you, you know, test it out with your family, your siblings. Yeah, I just Um, test it out with my parents. Yeah, yeah. And like, what are some of the things that you think through when you do recipe creation? Like, is there a specific methodology that you have like, I want to make recipes that are less than six ingredients or low calorie recipes or like using seasonal vegetables? Um, Or is it just kind of like whatever comes to mind and whatever you're in the mood for that day? I would say my main um, thing with every recipe I put out is I'm trying to, one, make it really easy to make because I don't, I try not to use ingredients that people in other parts of the world don't have access to mainly because I have a very like diverse audience. And two, I try to stick to something that's more macro-friendly because I think that's my two main audiences, people looking for macro-friendly food and people just trying to learn how to cook. So those are the two main like boxes I try to take with every recipe. And um, the other stuff kind of comes and goes. So suppose I, like I just filmed a kale salad recipe the other day and peaches are in season, so I just happen to use peaches in the recipe. But um, it's not a big deal if I don't use the peaches. <laughs> right. So how long does it take you to film one video? I mean, your videos are, are short, right? Like they're, what, 30 to 60 seconds maybe? So how long does that one video take? It takes a lot longer than you would think it takes. <laughs> it takes about an hour to an hour and a half to film the recipe mainly because unlike other types of content when you cook it it takes time and uh the reason it takes an hour even for like a 30 minute recipe is I need to cut everything and then I need to take a picture of the ingredients because I also run a blog so for the blog I need a lot of pictures so I'm not just videotaping I need to be videotaping and photographing at the same time 
Um, so it takes an hour to hour, an hour and a half to film. And then it takes me about 30 to 40 minutes to edit all the pictures and to edit the video, like compile it all together. And I would say it takes another hour to put the recipe on the blog. And for that, I do have some help now. I used to do it before, but it was just getting too much. Mm-hmm. And then it takes about 30 minutes, I would say, to do the voiceover, the caption. And these days, I've also been trying to move into like other realms. So like YouTube, TikTok. Mm-hmm. And that takes another 30 minutes to like cross post it everywhere and schedule it. So it takes about four to five hours per recipe. Yeah, I bet. And then I, I don't think you mentioned like the cleanup, right? I mean, all the utensils and equipment that you're using as well. Yeah. Um, what are the different pieces of equipment that you need to do to set up for filming? Oh, so I have a tripod that I use, an overhead tripod. And that's it actually for all the videos. And I guess I need like the plates which I have, um, I like just bought them off of like some pottery websites because mm-hmm. they just film better. And then for my pictures, I have a lot of food props. So for that, I have like cutting boards. Um, the difference is I can't use a lot of the regular uh, flatware when I take pictures because of like the porcelain, like from the Walmart plates, those are very shiny in sunlight. So when I take pictures, they glare back at the camera. So I to, I usually try to use like some sort of pottery that absorbs the light. So um, I have that equipment too, but I also eat out of that. So I don't really consider it equipment. Yeah. Do you ever get people that get mad from your videos? Like I've seen from other food bloggers that have large audiences, like they'll get people that get mad because they use the word salad instead of rice bowl or, you know, something like that and people are so up in arms over it yeah there are people who get mad and I think sometimes I think people are just very protective over their food Mm -hmm. because it's hard as the creator but I also get it from like the viewer's perspective because I think people just get really protective over the food or like the way that their mom or dad made it for them growing up and when they see other people make it a different way they immediately go into fight or flight mode Mm -hmm. without taking like the time to acknowledge that you can have multiple ways to make the same recipe so I do have that issue for the most part I try to I know a lot of people say don't engage I try my best to engage and like make the person see my side but I have noticed there are some people who just just don't care they don't care about your intention just gonna keep going and those people I just leave after a certain time yeah, totally. And even when you like you mentioned, like when you do try to engage, like then you have the people that are getting upset that you're trying to explain yourself. So sometimes yeah, you- there's like people who are upset that I'm engaging because they're like, oh, you don't need to engage with those people. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not like even doing anything wrong. I'm just trying to explain myself. <laughs> yeah. So, OK, what are all the different platforms you're on? You're on TikTok, you're on Instagram. What else do you use? YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's right now I think do you yeah. post okay so like, pinterest. and what pinterest pinterest okay so between like tiktok and instagram do you post the same content on tiktok and instagram because it's like similar reels short yeah. videos so, so even youtube actually now has youtube shorts so all three are very similar and what i do is i try to do the same recipe and do different cuts 
because the audience on Instagram is typically older. So they have the patience and they want to watch like longer videos where you explain what's happening in the video. Whereas on TikTok, people are more interested in like story time videos. Mm-hmm. So I try to like cut it, cut out all of the empty spaces. So um, suppose I was cutting an onion and I have like a 30 second bit. On Instagram, I might leave the whole like 15 seconds, but on TikTok, it might be like a one second clip. Yeah. So same recipe, different cuts. Got it. Um, so if you're releasing like one specific kind of recipe that week, you'll still share that same recipe on all the platforms. They just might be different like versions of it. Yes. Yeah. Different, different videos, same recipe. Mm. Do you have a platform that you prefer or you enjoy the most? Yeah, my, uh, very controversially, my favorite platform is Instagram. Um, I feel like it's the best platform. So I, uh, these days I'm very split on it. Um, in theory, I like Instagram the best because I like talking to people, communicating with people. I just like the like the overall presence on Instagram. The only thing I think these days I've noticed with Instagram is there's like certain bugs that no matter how hard you try to get them to fix, they just don't listen. Like like recently it's been taking like 30 minutes to post a single video. Stuff like that is like very like it's it wastes so much extra time on top of the four hours it takes so uh that is one reason that like instagram's like getting frustrating but um as a platform i like instagram a lot because i get to like have more meaningful conversations Mm -hmm. yeah totally it feels to me like tiktok feels to me like it's more scrolling and it it feels like it's harder to get to know people and build a community. Whereas with Instagram, like you have the stories and all those features within stories, like polling the audience or question boxes. And, you know, I think with TikTok, even if those features exist, it feels like it's not as widely used. So it feels like Mm -hmm. Instagram is easier to actually get to know people as much as you can on the internet and get that sense of like engagement and community. Yeah, I feel like TikTok is good for like discoverability. So Mm -hmm. finding people, but Instagram is kind of where you build that family. Sure. So I know you mentioned you have a team that helps you to talk to us about that. What kind of um, tasks do you offload to your team? So I recent, not too recently, but about three to four months ago, I hired um, one employee and she basically, her name is Chandani and she works on the blog and her main task is just to write those blog posts because it's like 600 words. I'm not a big writer. I don't like to write in that kind of way. I'm more of like a video yeah. a drawing kind of person. So uh, she typically will help me like articulate all of those things into words and uh, write about, it's about 600 words per recipe. And that's basically like important for uh, like the SEO optimization and uh, people finding you basically on Google. Mm-hmm. So uh, she mainly just deals with that for now and everything else I do. Got it. So, okay, you mentioned 600 words, SEO optimization. Is that why food bloggers always have these like long stories before sharing the actual recipe? That's one reason. Yeah. So if you, um, one reason is that if you have more words, then you rank better. Okay. So disclaimer, um, (laughs) I don't know if a lot of these things are facts. Uh, It's one of those things where people just tell each other 
and I'm not completely versed, but I kind of just go with it, go with what other people are doing. And what I've noticed is when you have longer uh, text, you have more opportunity to hide key phrases in there. So like smoothie, breakfast, banana, coffee. So when people search those words, you're going to show up. Got so it. that's the reason you want to have longer text. Another reason is because uh, the longer the, the article is, the more time people spend on the page. So the more money you make from AdSense. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I feel like it was, it's, it's like a running joke of these <clears throat> food blogger moms sharing about their kids' school bus being late. And it's like 99% of the time, like people are going to want to click that jump to recipe button. But I, I get it. It's it's for the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. I try it. my best to uh, use that space for meaningful content. Yeah. Um, like with Chandani, we always try to do like science-based things. So if it's like um, a pinto bean recipe, we explain why should you soak your beans. Like those more science-based interesting facts. And it also helps it. So we're hoping that if someone Googles what happens, like why should you soak beans, the, re- the recipe also pops up. Yeah. So we're kind of like playing around with that and seeing how that works. Yeah, I love that. You try to be a little bit more educational with the writing and the blogging part. Right. What are some of the cool opportunities that have come from your social media presence? Um, I think one thing that's been really cool is just working with brands that I used or my family used growing up all the time. It's pretty validating for them to be the ones to reach out and ask you to do an ad on my page. Uh-huh. So that like kind of validates all of the work I do as like a content creator. And another thing that's been really cool is recently I shared about it on my Instagram, but I got to work on a drink for a coffee shop called Frappe Joe. And that was also something really interesting and fun for me because I've always been like a huge coffee person. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I I wanted to be a barista at some point, but it just didn't really line up in terms of like everything happening. So it was just pretty nice to have that opportunity to even be able to go and try something new like that. So that's one of like my favorite opportunities that I got because of this platform. Yeah. Um, do you like when people call you an influencer? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I feel like, so it's not that I don't like people who are influencers. I think it just, it just doesn't cover the scope of what I do. Yeah. Because I think it, to me, an influencer is someone whose main job is to influence people to buy products. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, I feel like I create educational videos. Totally. So that like so I feel like I'm more in the content creation space because my goal is to educate people on how to cook and how to like make certain things and not so much to influence them to make certain decisions. Mm-hmm. What do you love the most about having a big platform and a big audience? I think my favorite thing is how easy it is for me to like help other people. Uh, like if suppose there are small businesses in, in my area and I really like them and if I share about them, I can very easily get them a lot of business just by sharing like one post about it. And if other people like it, they'll try it. That's definitely one of my favorite things. But on the is flip that side, what with the with the coffee shop, like is that feedback that you got from them? 
Yeah, so um, I have had a lot of people who have tried it out, like tag me in it after they've tried it. So I think people are going. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have the exact numbers as of right now. I think that we'll get it at the end of the season. But overall, yes. But not only that coffee shop, there are other companies who have also reached out after like I went and posted something there. Like, oh, other people came and asked for that exact same drink and they said they found it on social media. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Do your parents know about your internet platform? And if so, like, what do they think about it? Yeah, my parents have known about my food blog since the time I started it. And I think when I first started it, they were a little bit worried about that distracting me from my education because it's so unrelated to computer science. Mm -hmm. But then over the years, they have also kind of seen that that's something that I care about enough to put all this extra hours I don't have to put into it. And they do know how many followers I have because like we have uh, family, friends and people they know who will like just say oh like I follow your daughter on Instagram or like once we went out somewhere and someone just came up and they were like hey I follow you and my mom was like what (laughs) (laughs) yeah so okay so now that you um are putting your face more on your videos like you do have people that come up to you at the mall or at the movies or whatever that recognize you yeah yeah I have been putting my face more on there I never used to, but I was advised to by other content creators. So I have been. And I do sometimes get people who just come and say hi. For the most part, I've never had a negative experience with that. I don't think I'm famous enough for that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's good. So your parents are like pretty supportive of, of all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Like they like bought me like a closet to put all my props in and stuff. I think at the beginning they were confused because that's like this is such a different I wouldn't even say like I guess profession but also something they just don't know much about because social media is not something they grew up with so they just try to like make the most of like is this safe or and I think at this point at this age they kind of just figured that I know what's best for me so they are supportive now good um that's really good to hear so You just graduated college and you are going to start working a traditional nine to five in data. Is it data analytics or data science? Data science. Okay. Um, And when are you starting your job? In September. Okay. So you have a little bit of break between graduation and starting your full-time career. So I'm curious, you know, you have the audience and the clout to make being a full-time recipe blogger and content creator happen. Did you ever consider going full-time into content creation, like right off the bat? Um, You know, what was kind of like your thought process for deciding to do a traditional nine to five first, despite likely being able to have a lucrative career as a content creator right now? Yeah, so I... I think when I first started to take, when the page first started to take off, I was definitely thinking along the lines of, oh, maybe I want to do this full time. But one thing I noticed is the more pressure that I put on that side of things, the less I want to do it. And also uh, the less freedom I have with my content. And at this point in my life, I studied really hard to graduate with a computer science degree. And I do enjoy the job that I have. So I'm just excited, honestly, to get in the job, start and try new things. And I just don't think there's any rush to 
figure out like what my one full-time job is going to be, especially because I have a lot of flexibility right now with my current job to do both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a smart route. Like you already got the computer science degree. You might as well put it to use for a little while, even if it's just for a couple of years. I think there's so much value that you can get from spending a few years doing the corporate grind, you know, like, especially because you're going to work at a pretty large corporation that's run well um and just all the stuff that you'll learn from that experience the soft skills that you'll pick up you know doing corporate presentations learning how to communicate to executives and different audiences project management like so much of that will help you in the long run and gives you some time to continue exploring like your food blogging and content creation without feeling like it's such a pressure Mm -hmm. and i think part of it is also for me i don't think content creation alone will ever be enough because I was sort of raised kind of in that grind mindset where I like to do a lot of things at once. So just doing one thing gets really boring for me really fast. So um, no matter what I do, I don't think I can just do one thing. I think I'm going to always kind of have my hands in different places. So I kind of, I do want to do both for a long time. Yeah. I know you also are part of a startup. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, the startup is actually called Note and it's an ed tech startup. And essentially the way that it works is it's a study app and students can basically up to upload their notes to the website. As of right now, it's just a website, but uh, you can upload your notes and the website basically will scan the notes and it'll make flashcards and like practice exams, quizzes for people to study from. So it's like a very streamlined process of that studying where you don't have to spend hours working on material and doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So how did you, what is your role with the startup? And when did you start with them? So when I first started, I was working on the business team and I just worked on the day-to-day business operations, but now I'm head of marketing. So I deal with any and all social media marketing stuff it's a startup so there's no like official this is your job you kind of do everything but my main role is to uh, oversee the social media stuff got it okay so were you doing that during college too yes I have been doing that since uh, freshman year of college you are so like multifaceted you literally have four full-time jobs I mean it's everything is very flexible right now which is the reason I'm able to do it but Yeah, so I, I've been very grateful for like being able to even do all these things because I know sometimes companies like don't want you to do multiple things. Yeah, so I'm just grateful I'm able to do everything that I want to. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Um, so you're 22 now. You just graduated college. You're gonna start your full time job soon. You've got so many things on your plate, um, and you've already accomplished so much. So I'm curious, like. What are some things that you'd like to accomplish before turning 25 or or 30? Like, do you have any goals in mind that you'd feel comfortable sharing with us? Um, Yeah. So I think by the time that I'm 30, because I think 25 is too soon, because I'm 22. And if I've learned anything from like COVID, it's that things are so, never plan anything in the short term because nothing goes according to plan. So I'd say by 30, Um, I do. I am interested in getting an MBA of some sorts. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to look as of right now, but I am interested in getting to know more about business operations and getting to know like some cool people who are going to be founders someday and maybe even like look into like doing my own sort of entrepreneurship. 
mm-hmm. in the future. Um, I do want to publish a cookbook. And I, again, I don't know how that's going to look, but I want to publish with like one of the top publishers if I do, uh, because I have been reached out to by other publishers, but I've always sort of had this dream of if I'm going to publish, it has to be with like certain publishers. Mm-hmm. You want to have a recipe book that's going to make it to like Barnes and Nobles and big yes. forefronts. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And um, I guess move out, <laughs> move out to goal uh, within the next couple of years. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, just put it out there. And if you already have publishers reaching out to you, like now, I'm sure as your audience and platform continues to grow, that's going to happen in no time where you have the even more established publishers reaching out. Right. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, I think as as long as everything just sort of aligns, I'm just trying to get some footing in like every space I'm in right now. And I think everything will, whatever's meant to be will happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you're kind of in a transition phase right now between graduation and starting your full-time job, but what is a typical day in your life look like right now? Um, so right now, I have a probably the most chill life I've had in 8 years. Um uh, because I think since I started high school, every summer I was always like SAT something, internship. So uh, this summer, for the first time, is kind of like my thing. I get to do whatever I want to do. So what I typically will do is I'll wake up and I will spend the morning editing my videos for the day, doing my voiceovers, um, and I'll like catch up on all my emails. I do have a manager now, so he deals with a lot of the emails, but uh, I try to just like... a social media manager or... I have a manager who like who deals with my brand partnerships. Okay. Yeah. So I go through my personal email um, for my food blogging and my own emails. And then by that time, it's usually like 11 because I, ha- I like slow mornings where like I don't do much. And uh, then after lunch, I will typically just get a lot of work done. I will try to either film. I'll try to edit. I will work on some of the startup work. And sometimes I have meetings during that time with either my web designer or the team at Note. And after that, I typically go to the gym with my friends because I have a group of high school friends who are back in town because we're all kind of in that transition period right now. So um, we all go to the gym in the evening and that's like a two to three hour shenanigan because we like all get there on time. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, And then usually in the evenings, I don't do much after that. After like I finish all of my work, I will generally chill. I don't nothing. I am trying to learn how to like tone it down because I think I just spent the last four years just working a lot. So I'm trying to like unlearn some of those behaviors. Yeah. So speaking of what what is your self care routine if you have some? Like what are some things you do to feel your best each day? Um, self care for me looks like getting stuff done and so I'm not someone who can just do yoga and feel relaxed because that's actually very stressful for me um, <laughs> for me like like self-care for me is just getting through the day like doing what I need to do staying productive um, working out because that makes me feel good uh, I like to cook without the camera and that's something that I really enjoy doing because I think so much of the time these days I just spend like cooking in front of the camera and cooking in front of the camera is not the same as cooking because there's so many like other things you're taking care of. You're not really focusing on the food. So that's something I like to do. And I like going out with my friends. 
Yeah. Oh, that's great. How many times a week do you work out? Um, I'd say f- so. Now that my friends are going, like six six times a week. Oh, that's because awesome. it's like a social activity. <laughs> totally. I working out is so much more fun when you can do it with your friends. Yeah. Um, when I go alone, like three to four days. <laughs> Yeah, um, I I understand. Like, I think there's this idea of self care that it has to be like specific routines or this special thing that you have designated. And I kind of feel like I'm with you. My self care is just getting through the day, and there's just certain things that are just part of my regular routine that I don't even think about that just allow me to feel my best. It's just like getting in a workout, you know, three, four times a week for me, three, four times a week, eating nutrient dense foods, like being productive, crossing things off my to-do list, being able to do those things regularly, like allows my body to feel like I'm at homeostasis. And that allows me to show up more positively in all the other areas of my life. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I feel like, it's just, like, the most basic stuff sometimes, like, paying off your credit card bill on time. Like, that makes me feel good. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, what advice do you have for other young creators or, you know, people who want to get into the food blogging space? Um, I actually shared a video on this today. It was that, basically, you have to detach yourself from your content because otherwise you sort of like base your worth on how the content is doing and especially when you spend like five hours working on a piece of content it's natural to get very attached to it but I try to just like when I am releasing any video my main goal is I if the video goes viral I don't want to end up being so excited that when the next video doesn't do so well I come crashing down So I try to like stay grounded and I think that's like the best thing to do as a creator because you don't really have colleagues to like do the checks and balances for you. You kind of just have to always ground yourself. So like whether a video is doing really well and you're going like viral all of a sudden or whether your videos aren't doing well at all, you just kind of stick it through and stay grounded like in that middle ground. Yeah, I I love that. I think that's such solid advice. Um, so we'll finish off today's recording with some lightning round questions, but before that, tell us where people can find you. Yeah, so my handle is Eats by Ramya, so E-A-T-S-B-Y-R-A-M-Y-A. I'm used to it because people never know how to spell my name, and um, that's my handle on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Pinterest, across the board. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we'll be sure to link that in the show notes. Um, Okay, so let's finish off with some lightning round questions just to get to know you a little bit more. So I'm going to ask you some questions and basically give you some options and you just choose the one that's applicable to you. Okay, so early bird or night owl? Night owl. Date night in or date night out? Out. Salmon or chicken? Chicken. Overnight oats or stovetop? Oh, overnight oats. Like 100%. Totally. I love overnight oats. I have been eating overnight oats every day for the last eight years. Overnight oats are so good. It's so good and it's so versatile. Like oats are so versatile. You can literally never get – it's possible to never get bored of oats, I think. And stovetop oats are just like mush. 
like there's like a weird texture yeah um, and like who has time to spend 20 minutes making stovetop oatmeal overnight oats are so good <laughs> totally <laughs> um okay next travel destination hopefully europe but that has been in the talks for at least eight years now eight years or a year eight years eight years yeah eventually um favorite childhood memory um probably moving to india i lived in india for two years and that was a lot of fun oh wow cool when did you live in india how old were you i lived in india in seventh and eighth grade so maybe i'm not a child but uh to me i feel like that's a childhood and that was a lot of fun it was like a very formative experience for me because i think i grew up very sheltered here in like new jersey so it's nice to like see the real world were you born in new jersey I was born in New York. Oh, okay. How did you like living in India for two years? It was a lot of fun. Honestly, I think I, because of like media, I always expected India to be very like, I don't even, I don't even want to say very third world country because I don't even know what that means anymore. But I expected it to be very different. And I, I was just ex- very shocked at how everyone there, like a lot of people speak English there. And that's like one of the, like, the weirdest misconceptions that I don't know why American people have, but um, everyone's very fluent, very educated. People love the food there. Honestly, like everyone's so modern there, as the, at least in the metropolitan areas. Like it's so modern to the point where I felt like I was the one behind. Oh wow! From America, yeah. What what part of India was that? Where what part of India are you from? Um, I lived in Hyderabad for one year and Bangalore for one year. Cool. That's awesome. Well, Ramya, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited for people to hear this conversation and get a glimpse into your life. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review. You can also connect with us on Instagram at thebrongirl__podcast and all other social media platforms listed in the show notes. Thank you again. I appreciate you being here.